Welcome to the Responsible Entrepreneur Institute's podcast. We call this segment The Responsible Entrepreneur. It's where we move beyond doing less bad, but we don't stop at doing good. I teach you how to make profound and beneficial change in an industry, a social system, a cultural belief system, and governance itself. My name is Carol Sanford. I am your host. I am also a business and development coach for Fortune 500 companies and rock star entrepreneurs, as well as the author of The Responsible Business and The Responsible Entrepreneur for Game-Changing Archetypes for Founders, Leaders, and Impact Investors. Today, I'd like to talk with you about getting clear about what kind of work you're doing. Now, that may sound a bit strange, but not all work is equal in importance and even in financial and social return. Some work has a much greater chance of producing success and of making a bigger difference on the planet. But entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs inside businesses are running so hard that it makes them hard for them to know what work and what effort would really make a significant difference. There are four levels of work I'd like to introduce you to. You can learn eventually to do them in parallel. That's as you get better at each of them separately, you learn to be able to do them all at once. But if you can't differentiate between the different levels, you just get busy and hope for the best. So let me give you names for each of these four. The first one we're just going to think of as the foundational level, which is what most people think of as the work they're doing. I call it just operational work. Now, the work there is you're running things effectively and, of course, efficiently to keep your customers coming back and paying for your offerings gladly. And they refer to other people to get them to come buy from you. This work means you have flexibility. You can make sure you can get your supplies when you need them. You have your salespeople all lined up. Marketing is working well. And everything's humming in terms of just delivering to what you've already promised your customers you make and will do for them. There's a second level of work, which is at the level of working on the market. I call this maintain work. Now, most people are familiar with the kind of maintain work that's about maintaining the internal operations. So in addition to operating, you have to go make sure all of your technology is working, all of the supply systems are working. If you're in production, you got to make sure the production is working and you're maintaining all of those systems. But there's another kind of work, which really is about the market, which is ensuring that your relative competitive position stays non-displaceable and that you're really building the kind of relationships that you need to build to be able to be respected and even lead in your uh, relative competitive operation. The third level, now the first one, remember, we're impacting operations and we're impacting mostly ourselves and if we have investors, them and the people who work for us. The second level, we're impacting the market and seeking to change the market. On the third level, we're working on social and planetary system, like working on whole systems change. Can we be aware of the system effect that we're having, the choices we're making, and the actions it's having on the world around us? So at this level, we start to really pay attention to what are the lives and the communities of our suppliers like. Are we treating them fairly? Are we making sure that we're doing something that keeps our supply system sustainable? Are we working to make sure that the people who we hire have a life and go back into the community in a way that makes it whole? And we're working consistently with the planetary requirements to have a healthy planet. 
This is what I wrote my first book about, The Responsible Business, was how it is that you do this level of work. Now, that sounds like a lot, right? We've already worked on operation work, doing our regular work. We're working on the market. Then we've done social and planetary levels of change. The fourth level, however, is what I call regenerative work. And this is the work to help an entire industry move or to help a social system in the nation or the ecosystems that are much larger and even the governance processes we live within work. Most people are not thinking at this level. We have quite a few who are moving to the third level where they're thinking about their social and planetary impact. But in order to really have a social and planetary impact, you need to do this regenerative work that develops the capacity of your industry and perhaps multiple industries for those greater whole systems to work. I'm very excited to be finding more and more young entrepreneurs who are making this third and fourth level of difference with their business. You will be able to learn from one of them today, but if you'd like to hear more of his interview and even do a little quiz that lets you know where you fit relative to the way he's working, you can find more at carolsanford.com and follow through to our podcast button. Now, let's welcome today from Chile, a man whom you will be totally astounded by, he and his four other colleagues who are making a huge difference in the world of cancer. Welcome, Alejandro. I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself and then a sure. little bit about the miraculous miraculous. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> so uh, basically, myself. Well, I'm Alejandro. I'm uh, I'm Chilean, but I was born and raised here in Chile. I study. I have a background in uh, in business administration. Uh, since I was very very young, I started doing my uh, own businesses. Like uh, when I was, I don't know. 13 or 14, I started selling honey, you know, so I was helping the people from the south that they were producing honey and they were, uh, they, they didn't have the chance to commercialize it, so I said, okay, why don't you give it to me, I put a brand and I go and, and call the uh, ladies in Chile, the, uh, and I will sell it to them, and I started very, very young doing my, my own little businesses, and then um, I studied business administration in University of Chile, then I went to a, a, a company called the Comerce in, in Paris, where I finished my studies also in uh, in business, and then uh, I started looking for a job that actually had some some more meaning than actually than only winning money. So um, I started looking for those type of jobs after doing some internships in, in big multinational companies. I decided that I didn't want to follow that traditional path of, of being the CEO of a large corporation in the future. That was totally not aligned with uh, what I wanted to do in my life. So uh, then I joined. Um, uh, a foundation, it's called Foundation Chile. Uh, I've been there working for, I, was, I worked there for three years and uh, it was an amazing experience where I got to learn a lot about entrepreneurship, a lot, a lot about how to start businesses out and a lot about, about uh, how to do things that can actually have a positive impact in, in, in society. Um, then I went to, so I, I always look for new opportunities and, and, and things that can actually give me a broader view about uh, the challenges that we're facing as society and what are the possible solutions. I'm the kind of guy that I don't like to complain too much, you know, like, <laughs> I don't like people that is always like complaining about things and not doing nothing about it. And uh, and also don't like the people that is like, for example, if you see something that is going on wrong and you ask, why is this happening? And people tell you, oh, you know, it's always been like that. I mean, there's nothing you can change. It's just the way it is. 
So in, in that kind of search for, for, uh, for finding solutions to things that are actual, actually really, really big problems, I came up with this program in, in NASA, in Singularity, where I went to their webpage and totally blew all my mind off. And um, I went there and realized that there were a lot of people in the same path. So there's a lot of people that actually don't like the way things have been doing uh, at this moment, don't like the traditional path of, of being a, a, a very successful professional in the, in the normal or traditional way, and are actually doing things and looking for things that can help society. So there is where we came up with this project that is called Neuroclus to radically change the health industry in Chile, I mean in the world. And we said, okay, let's start with, them, with something big, and we said, okay, let's go for cancer. Because we just cannot believe that in century 21, we're still fighting with cancer. And, and the numbers are just growing and growing and growing. Today is one out of three people that is actually being diagnosed with cancer. In 20 years, it will be one, of two pe- one out of two people. And cancer does not discriminate by gender, by social status or economic status. Cancer is affecting everyone, basically. So um, we just want to stop that. And we don't want to just complain about cancer. We, we want to take actions on it. And, uh, and actually we want to, at the end, change the perception of cancer. Because today they tell you, hey, listen, you have cancer. is literally telling you, hey, listen, you will die in a few months in, in 80% of the cases. And we want to change it to another vision to say, hey, you know what, you have cancer. Why don't we treat it? It's a very early stage, it's stage one or two, so why don't, you, why don't we take it up next week? But it will change dramatically the way that we perceive cancer in society. Let's go to kind of the end game. Where are you now? What do you think the potential is of what you're bringing to that game-changing opportunity? So here the potential is that uh, is to detect many types of cancer in, in its early stages from a blood sample in less than an hour, and accessible for everyone. Because another thing that we don't like is that the highest or the uh, latest advances or, or solutions are for the niche, are for the rich people and the people who, have, who, who can afford it, basically, which is the 1% of the world. So we want to democratize access. And uh, we will start with cancer because we know it's, a, it's the second cause of death in the world today, uh, following the uh, data from the World Health Organization. And, uh, but, the, but later on could be other physiological stages, not only cancer, but it could be HIV, uh, hepatitis, or, or any other disease um, uh, down, I mean, that is existing in the market, we can actually detect it. And your intention is to get very early upstream for everyone. Exactly. So basically, the problem here is not cancer itself, it's the, it's, it's the late we detect cancer. Mm-hmm. So cancer normally has four stages. The majority of times, we detect cancer in stage three or four, when already is too late. And, um, and too late because the current methods that we use to detect cancer were never made to detect cancer. So we're adapting other methods or other technologies to detect cancer. So, and, and also, these methods are very operator dependent. So for example, we, we think about breast cancer where they do images, and, and then you need a doctor to, to interpret this image. When you need an expert, to in- interpret not accessible for everyone because there are lack of experts. So you need something that is automated, that is easy to use, and, uh, and that basically any doctor can, can uh, give you the, uh, 
the results. Why we are different, basically, is because we are not basing ourselves in images, but we're basing ourselves in detecting certain molecules. They're very small molecules that runs through your bloodstream whenever a cancer is developed. So when you have cancer, there's a mutation on the cell, and the cell releases these molecules through your bloodstream. So that's why when we take a blood sample from you and we analyze it with our method, we, what we're looking for is not cancer itself, it's this combination of molecules that tells you that you have cancer. So the cool thing about this is that every type of cancer has a different combination and unique combination of these molecules. So by detecting a combination of molecules, we can say whether you have or not cancer, which cancer do you have, and in which stage that cancer is. How do you make this accessible? Does the instrument itself give you an answer? I mean, I'm trying to image how you don't need a, a, a physician or some kind of uh, technical person. Right. So, so basically, the, um, we innovated in the biochemistry. So the biochemistry is what we use to detect these molecules. Mm -hmm. So the way that this works is, so, or the, the way we envision this happening is, so for example, you can have a very, uh, our machine in every hospital because it's a very cheap machine. And why is it cheap? Because the biochemistry we use doesn't need a very complex process to detect the molecules. So it is so simple that actually a very simple machine can allow the biochemistry to interact with the, with the molecules and, and give you the, uh, the indication that that molecule is found in your bloodstream. We actually, our first prototype cost us in between 50 and 100 dollars to do it, whereas today a machine to detect these very small molecules costs you in average 100,000 dollars is just uh, not accessible. This is totally affordable for everyone and that's the way we want to do it in the future. And how far along are you? Give us yes. a little bit now. Okay, I had the idea. It's, we're here now, and where's where else we still need to go? So we came up with the idea six months, no, eight months ago in uh, Singularity, so it was in August. We started running the project in October. What we have done so far is, well, of course, bootstrap as much as possible. So we were going to some contests, you know, to win some money to to uh, start this project on. So we, we have won a couple of competitions in Chile, in Mexico, in Greece. Um, and we have filed two provisional applications, two provisional patent applications. And we did the proof of concept with a mice. So basically we went to Stanford and asked for a mice with cancer and for a mice without cancer. We performed our test and in 35 minutes with our method, we discovered which mice had cancer and which cancer had the mice. Wow. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was, <laughs> I it was crazy. I think the people at Stanford were shocked too. They probably went, "Wow!" <laughs> yeah, everyone was a little bit shocked. Yeah. <laughs> and and when we get more serious and we go and to talk to investors and other people, they are asking us, "So, uh, what have you done?" And we say, "Okay, we, we already did it." Oh, really? And how did you do it? So we we did it with the mice, and we uh, in the, I mean we did it with mice, and in hundred percent of the cases we were successful. And they are like, okay, and how many cases are there? And we said like, okay, one. Okay, so you have one case in a mice. I mean, come on guys, do your homework and come back when you have more data and, and, and from human samples. So okay, so we said, okay, that's fair enough. So we went to Embel. Embel is a European molecular biology lab in Heidelberg in Germany. And went there and said, you know, um, 
please help us. I need you to validate what we're doing. I need you to validate our science. And we need to optimize the science in order to be very, very accurate in detecting these small molecules. So um, we, have, we established a collaboration with them. They're being very, very supportive. It's the first time they're working with a startup, basically. And, um, and we started working there two months ago already. And the idea for the next six months is that we have our science much more optimized to detect these molecules and to have the data from human samples already generated with our method. But we want to go to investors, so we want to go to uh, other VCs and say, hey, listen, this is what we have done in the last six months. This is how our method performs with human samples. And this is how we're going to change the future. Okay. So we're in the middle of that. Yeah, we're in the middle of that process. We, we are making the experiments in, in, in Germany. We're, we are still um, going, I mean, bootstrapping on some competitions. And we are now closing around a seed round of $500,000 to run through all this year and at the end of the year we want to raise a series A of a larger amount of money to actually have everything ready to go to market. And you're doing this as a for-profit business, right? So that you actually have the ability to be a business and make a difference. Yes, yes, yes. yes. In, in, In the team, I mean, we like philanthropy but we, but we are not the ones doing it. I mean, we want this to scale. We want this to grow very, very fast. Uh, our mission is to make this accessible for everyone, get into the market as fast as possible. And we understand and we think that the only way to do that is by making money, basically. So we need the money to go to new markets. We need the money to make it, I don't know, accessible for everyone. We need the money to pay good guys good salaries. I mean, yeah, we want to make is for a business and hopefully win a lot of money but by helping a lot of people. What would you say are the principles that you are using mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur to move you towards success, not just changing the world but be successful? And basically I think that motivation is what drives ourselves towards accomplishing things. So um, you need to show motivation to do big things and positive things for society. So I would say, first thing is find something that actually matters to you. Because whenever you're motivated about doing something, the result of what you're doing is totally different. I mean, if you, and you know, if you go, if you do something that you really like, you're most probably will perform better than if you're doing something that you don't like. So, and, and the other thing is focus on something that matters to you, but focus on a problem. So don't think about the solution. Just think about a problem that you want to change. The problem everyone knows about the problem. Okay, you find a problem, you're obsessed with it, you like it, it matters to you. Boom. First thing, and I would say the most important one. Second, go and look for a solution and go and meet up with different people. Not the same as you, different people. Boom. Second thing. Third thing, validate it. So don't spend hours and hours and hours prototyping or, or, or I don't know, uh, developing a, a super solution. Go and talk to the people. Hey, you know what? I have this idea. To the, to, the, to the very bad people in the industry. I have this idea. Is this something that, do you think it works? Yes, no. No, why not? And then you started in this, you know, uh, you start uh, changing the, the hypothesis you were having. So it, at, the, at the beginning, it's a bunch of hypotheses. You have like, I don't know, a lot of hypotheses, and then you validate them with the correct people. So you go there and talk to the people. So this typical thing that happens, not, not so much in the Bali, but in maybe underdeveloped countries is that, 
you have an idea and you don't want to share it with no one because they will steal it. So this is my idea, and I, I can tell. So what are you doing? I can't tell you. What do you mean? No, no, because you will steal it. Come on, I mean, that's not the way it, it works. So go there, talk to the people, tell your idea, and, and uh, have their feedback. I mean, and then if you like it and you have the validation of the market, then go there and start working, and start working as you have never worked before, because <laughs> it will be a very long battle, and a difficult battle, and you need a team motivated with you to, to succeed. If not, it's just uh, it's a very difficult, uh, um, I don't know, project in your life. So I have one last question, and I'll let sure. you uh, go. There is this new or, or newer way of founding, which are multiple co-founders. It used to be there was one or maybe two, and now, I mean, you right. have six, there are many others. What do you think is the key to having a team really blend, especially with the diversity you're talking about and the perspectives, how do you work together that allows you to advance rapidly, creatively, uh, successfully? Mm -hmm. So, uh, first thing, first thing I, I would say is that, uh, well, if you have five co-founders, in our case it's six, that every, everyone says it's too much, um, there's need to be kind of a a mutual understanding of what we want to do and a mutual understanding of, of the essence of this project. So if you don't agree on the basics, then it's very difficult that it will be, that it will uh, work well. So because things will need to change um, and, and if, so if you don't agree in the, in the essence of the project, in the very basics of the project and you don't share the same vision, then I would say it's very, very complicated. But if you have, if you are lying on that, then the second thing I would say is to be very humble and very humble on what your strengths are and your weaknesses are. Because here's not, so what we have said several times in the team, we don't care who's the CEO. We just want the best one to be the CEO to be. We don't care who's the titles. We don't care about the CTOs or two. To have the best Uh oh. I may have lost you. And they want to put us money and they want to hire their own CEO. And we will be fine with it if they're aligned with our vision that is to make this big grow, I mean, make, make this grow big and make it faster to the market. So, second thing I would say is just humbleness and humble, humble, humble. You're not the expert in everything. There are people that know more than you. And even the same thing. So, for example, when we, the typical kind of difficult uh, conversation. So, how much shares will everyone have, right? Mm -hmm. So, and we said, okay, that will depend on the time and efforts that everyone puts on it. Okay, so, uh, okay, so who will start full-time at the beginning? And we said, okay, what do we think that the company needs at the beginning? So we need someone that is actually managing the company, everything, the relations, money, etc. Okay, so we need more like a CEO. Okay, who's the strongest at that, one, at, at that position at the time? Okay, you are. Okay, so I'm going full-time for the beginning. You're going full-time also because we need these other things and we're going full-time also. And the, the other two were like, okay, so the company doesn't need me at the beginning. I'm fine with it. So I can have the shares about it. So, so when you understand your role and where you're standing and your weaknesses and strength, then it's everything much easier. And, and the third thing is, is to be 
very, very transparent and uh, transparent and careful also huh? with with uh, with communications because sometimes you have tough conversations. Sometimes I don't know. Maybe you have a, a wrong perception about someone, a wrong perception about yourself. Maybe you think that you're really the one to make this happen, and maybe the rest of the team doesn't doesn't think that way. So you need to be very kind of uh, transparent. You need to say things. You need to take. You need to be careful on how you say them, of course, uh, and you need to be very open to take them as as advices. I mean, here we are in this team for the company to be successful. Wow, Alejandro, that is totally amazing. In one week, from idea to the first test you were able to show that the idea you have about making cancer potentially curable because it's found earlier and every person can do it, whether they're near a big hospital or not, is very exciting. Now, for those of you listening, you heard less than half of the interview. If you really want to know more about it, you can come to carolsanford.com and you can get more information about how to listen to the rest of this. There'll be a transcript available, which you can download and read because some of the uh, feed had a few bumps in it, so we made sure that it got translated. And also, there's a fun quiz there I encourage you to take. It's about what are the four archetypes of being a responsible entrepreneur, and we need them all, but we tend to lean on one. You can take the quiz, and you can get back by email your most likely one to, to check out, and you'll learn what it is you should be working on. So thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.